Thank you so much for joining us for Kingdom Rock Radio. On today's broadcast, Pastor Sumiko Stroud is going to teach from the book of Galatians. Now let's join her in this series entitled Journey Through the Book of Galatians. This is session number one. Into the epistle to the Galatians, or we like to call the book of Galatians, but it's epistle means letter. Uh, so this is a letter to those in Galatia. Now, Galatia is a province, so this letter was written to more than one church. It was written to the churches that were in the province of Galatia, and it was made up of several cities. Uh, now, Galatia is what's now modern-day Turkey, which is over in the Middle East, near Middle Eastern area over in there. So, uh, and this letter was written by Paul. And so he writes this to these different churches and the way it would go was uh, they would receive the letter and then it would be read aloud, uh, you know, a few times before that church and then it would be uh, messengered on to the next church. So these, uh, this is his outreach uh, to the churches uh, that he's helped to establish in Galatia. When we go back into the book of Acts, uh, you can read about his journeys through these areas and helping to set up and, you know, and, and establish these churches. And then because he was a missionary, uh, he would move on, missionaries or evangelists, he would move on to the next area and then leave people in place uh, uh, for the churches that had been established. So this is um, a letter that he had to write uh, to those churches in, those, in that particular province of Galatia. Now, uh, we have, you have an outline, and as you can see, uh, Galatians is very short. There's only six chapters. Uh, it is very similar to Romans in the message uh, that, it, that it brings because, as we can see, it's the same person writing to the churches. So Romans was more of a doctrinal, um, giving us a message of justification. And then Galatians is reminding them of the fact that we are saved by grace. So you're going to see some similarities. So there's going to be some things. Uh, so it is a very, should be a very smooth transition uh, from Romans to Galatians. Now, some things that we should be able to take from our study of Galatians is that there's only one gospel. Now that should be something that we know already. Oh, excuse me. There's only one, only one gospel. And you would think as Christians that would go without saying, but when you go, if you ever notice, if you're in different churches or different areas, it may seem like there is another gospel because they'll be teaching things a little bit differently. But there is only one gospel. And we, you know, have gone over what that gospel is in Romans, and we will review that in Galatians. Um, another thing that we can take from Galatians is that we are justified by faith. Everyone, each individual, doesn't matter where you're from, uh, what kind of life you've had, what your history has been, we are all justified by faith. And Romans told us what justification meant. So then we're ready to go, you know, just smooth around. And then we're all justified uh, by faith. It's not about um, who we are or what we've done or what we can do. Uh, but it is about what we believe. And we believe in the finished work of the cross. We are justified just as if we had never sinned. We are being able to be reconciled, <clears throat> excuse me, reconciled to God. Another uh, point that we will learn in Galatians is that believers... 
as Christians, ought to be identified with the crucifixion. We shouldn't be identified with anything else except for the crucifixion. Um, that's the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. That should be very much a part of your life, a part of your identity. If people talk about the crucifixion and it seems new to you, or you don't want to uh, be connected with that, then I would suggest you go back and rethink your Christianity. Because as Christians, we are associated with that. Just like when you think of other belief systems, there may be some things, you know, if you think of somebody that's a Buddhist, there are some things that you're going to equate Buddhists with. They're typically very uh, peaceful people, but there's going to be worship, you know, different types of worship, maybe other, you know, gods or images or whatever. But when you think Christian, you should think cross. You should think crucifixion. We are to be identified uh, with the uh, crucifixion. The law cannot give uh, life. When we talk about the law, we talk about the law of Moses, you know, the Old Testament. We know that we cannot get life from the law. If we could, then we would not have needed the crucifixion. We wouldn't have, Jesus would not have had to come uh, and go through what he went through if the law could get us where we needed to be. But the law does have its place. And remember we've talked about before, the law is kind of like a mirror and that it shows us um, our blemishes. It shows us our faults. It shows us where we need God uh, in our lives, but it can't get us to where we need to be. It just shows us what we need. And that's important because if we don't, if we can't realize that we are sinners in need of saving, then we won't call out to Jesus to be our savior. So the law is a very important purpose and Jesus didn't do away with it, but he fulfilled it. He made it a complete work. So now it can show us what we need to be and then Christ gets us there. So it's very important, but we don't want to go back into bondage and trying to uh, live under the law because it doesn't get us where we need to be. Okay. Um, we also are going to learn, and we'll be talking about that by faith, we become sons and daughters of God. We are adopted. We are adopted into the family of God so that we have a right to go before him and call him father. And we have a right to expect uh, what a father should give to his children. And so we have that right uh, by our faith. All believers are one uh, in Jesus. We're all part of, you've heard this phrase before, the body of Christ, right? We've all heard that. All believers are a part of the body of Christ. None more important than the other. It doesn't matter how um, much Christian education you have. If you know the entire Bible by heart, and all I had to do was say, quote, you know, give you a reference, and you could just spill it out, and you could quote it, and then you could explain what it means, and you could draw a map from memory of all of the travels of uh, the apostles in the book of Acts, they are no, that person is no more a member of the body of Christ than somebody who's never even opened a Bible, but they have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Amen. If you can't even read the Bible, you are just as much a, a member of the body of Christ as someone who can teach it effectively. 
Right. Because it's not, again, uh, what we do. It's not based on our acts, but it's based on our belief. So we're all a part of the body of Christ, and we're all very important, all equally important. And we are reminded by this when we think of our own bodies. Uh, is there a part of your body that you would just, you could think you could do without? If I say I was collecting body parts, anybody want to volunteer some of their parts? <laughs> no. Because even if we don't know what a part does, we figure it's in there for a reason. Just leave it alone, right? Don't go taking anything out. Uh, I was born with it. I'm sure there's a purpose somewhere along the line. But we're all important uh, members of the body of Christ. We all have a function, uh, to, to ro- a role to play a function in it. We're called into a position of freedom, When we are born again, we are freed from our sins. And it is so important to remind ourselves that in Christ we are free. And why is that important to remind ourselves? Is because sometimes, although we are free in Christ, we may be bound in church. And we have to be careful about that, that in our local houses of worship that we don't allow bondages to be placed back on us and that we don't put those things on other people. There will be times in our walk with Christ as we are growing closer to him that there will be some things that he will tell you that you cannot do because he knows you and he knows what you were prone to. And there are some things that he will, some restrictions he may put on you as a person because you need that structure so that you don't do something else. We have to be careful that we don't, don't then take that word of God that's for us and put that restriction on somebody else. Uh, we have to realize that there are some things that are just for us. Think about when, we, when you're parenting your children. There are some children that you can give you know, pretty much free reign. They know what to do. They know when to do it. You don't have to follow behind them. But then you may have that one child where you kind of have to keep a little tighter rein on them because they'll, they'll sort of float off. Uh, they may be a little bit flighty. And if you aren't careful and remind them, uh, they may get up and, in fact, go to school in their pajamas having not gotten dressed for the day because it just didn't occur to them to do so. So for them, you may have to have a checklist and go over, did you do this, did you do this, did you do that? But for another child, you may not have to because they will get up by themselves at the appropriate time and they will be dressed and at the door waiting to go when it's time to go. Same thing with us. Remember, God relates to us. We are his children. Uh, he is our father. So he knows as a parent, okay, well, now that, that William Armstrong, I can let him go. I know he's going to be able to do what he needs to do. But that Samiko Strata, I have to watch her. And I'm going to have to let her know she can't do this and do that because I know where that will take I know how her mind works, and I know where that will take her. But I have to be careful that I don't then put those uh, things on you, okay? We are free. We should always be free in our worship, in our service of the Lord. If there comes a time uh, when you are not free in your worship and service of the Lord, then it's time to stop and take a look at what happened. Uh, Where did I get off the, the right track? What is going on? Uh, what am I not doing right or, or what is going on around me? But we should um, always operate in freedom. Sometimes people are a little bit um, 
I guess, concerned, because when you start telling people they're free, then people start thinking in the back of their mind, well, if you don't have some rules and regulations, then people are just going to go wild, and they're going to be living any kind of way in the church, and they're going to be sinning, and they're going to be doing that and all of that. Well, see, then you have to remember, if you are walking, following Jesus Christ, then you are wanting to be an example, and you're wanting to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. So telling you you can be free is not the equivalent of telling you to go out and just live it up and sin and do whatever, right? Because if you wanted to sin, did you need my permission? No, you were going to do that anyway. Do you need a rule that says you can't do it? No, you don't. The law already tells us that. So putting extra restrictions on you in our local house of worship is not going to accomplish anything. If you want to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord, you're going to do that. If you want to live a life that's hypocritical, you are going to do that, right? We are all going to pretty much do what it is we've made it up in our minds to do. So being free is not a license to sin, but it is freedom that Christ has given us. Okay. All right. We will all have a constant struggle between the flesh and the spirit. It's just going to happen. There are things that our flesh is going to want to do, our bodies, our carnal nature, that are going to be unbecoming uh, to the Spirit of the Lord. And that is what's so wonderful about being filled with the Holy Spirit and allowing Him to work on us and clean us up from the inside out, um, is that we will have uh, that power to be able to overcome, but we will constantly be uh, at war. There's just going to be that battle uh, within us. Uh, you know, as Paul has said before, when I wanted to do right, um, you know, what is the evil was always present or I would, you know, be inclined to do wrong. So if we just acknowledge that from the beginning, there's going to be that little bit of a battle. That doesn't mean you just have to give up and say, well, it's, there's no point. It's just always. No, each day, each small victory uh, is still a victory. And we may get to a point where we don't battle in a particular area, uh, and we've, we have that conquered, and then we can move on, uh, you know, to, to accomplish and to conquer other things. Progress is still progress, yeah. even if it's just baby steps. That's fine. We are still becoming um, more like Christ each day. So we do have these battles in our flesh, but that's okay. We don't have to be discouraged by that. We don't have to be overcome by that. We just take it one day at a time, and we will make it through. Okay. Um, we, God has promised us his Holy Spirit, and we receive the Holy Spirit by faith. And we've talked a little bit about the Holy Spirit, and we'll talk a little bit more about the work of the Holy Spirit uh, in Galatians, because when we receive the Holy Spirit, he will produce fruit in our lives. And we will talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, what I want us to remember is that when we are talking about producing fruit, have any of you ever stood next to a fruit tree before? I've been next. I got a little cherry tree in my yard. We had a little apricot tree, but it died. We tried to save it, but it's gone. Um, And I've, you know, we've been around fruit trees. Have any of you ever heard or seen the struggle that a fruit tree goes through to produce its fruit? Did it look like it was writhing in agony and pain? Did it was just doing all it could to put out one more apple? No, it just 
did what it does, right? It was, if it's an apple tree, as long as it is where it can get its proper nourishment, when the time has come for it to produce apples, it will produce apples. And it doesn't, you don't see it, you know, just, oh, you, you don't hear it groaning on the inside. It does what it will do. Same thing with us. When it comes time to produce the fruit of the Spirit, as long as we are where we need to be receiving the nourishment, the life from the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is in us, it will produce that fruit. So there's no point in you struggling, I'm going to be joyful, I'm going to have it, I'm going to have it, I'm going to have it. No, just plant yourself where you can receive the nourishment from the Holy Spirit and he will produce that fruit in you as long as we allow him to have that work in our lives. Uh, now, if I take pluck up that apple tree and put it where it cannot receive the nourishment that it needs, well, is it going to still produce apples? It's not going to be able to. But as long as it is where it needs to be, that it is planted, where it can receive the life, uh, the nourishment from the ground that it needs to produce that life, it will continue to produce that life. And so if when we look at ourselves, like when I look at my apricot tree and I realize it's no longer producing apricots, well, then it's not the tree's fault. There's a block somewhere in the nourishment, something has hindered it. Uh, from being able to receive the life uh, so that it can then give life. So when we look at ourselves, if we're not producing the fruit of the Spirit, then there's a block somewhere. We're not receiving the life uh, that we need to receive. So we may want to think about, are we still walking in the freedom or have we become again ensnared uh, with something? Have we given up, have we lost our battle uh, against the flesh so that the spirit is not in control of our lives? We need to think about those things because if we are planted where we're supposed to be and we're receiving the life of the spirit that we're supposed to receive, then the fruit of the spirit should be producing in our lives on a regular basis. It shouldn't be a mystery. It shouldn't be something we should have to make happen. But we'll go into more detail about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the Galatians we have, if you look at your outline, it's divided up into three major sections. Section one covers chapters one and two, and it's about Paul's personal experience with grace. And then section two covers chapters three and four, and it's about Paul's doctrinal instruction about grace. And then section three covers chapters five and six, and it's practical application. So cut and dried, fairly easy. Section one, we're going to cover chapter one uh, this morning, and it's Paul's personal experience. Now we should all have a personal experience with grace, right? It's our testimony. Where you were and what happened to you to cause you to cry out. You know, when people say, I found God. Well, he's always been there. But there was something, some moment in our life that caused us to look to him, to turn to him. And that's going to be our experience with grace. Well, we realize uh, who we are and that we are a sinner in need of saving. Uh, in Paul's message <clears throat> from chapter 1, verses 1 through 10... 
uh, when we see his greeting to the Galatians and his message to them, what happened is that Paul has set up this church and, uh, or these churches, and now he's gone on to do some other work, and word gets to him that uh, the message of grace that he, he, that he has taught them is now starting to be consumed or intertwined with legalism. And there was a group at the time known as Judaizers. And what they would do was they were a group of people, um, a group of Jews, who would say that in order to be a Christian, you had to be converted to Judaism first, and that you would have to be, um, follow the Jewish customs and the law, and you'd have to be circumcised, you'd have to do the uh, kosher eating, and you'd have to observe the yearly fast. So what they were doing was telling people, now Paul had preached the message that we are justified by faith, uh, we're justified by, gra- justified by grace through faith, that it is believing and receiving salvation was all that we had to do to be saved. And then after he left, this group came in and said, well, yeah, well, you know, Paul's good, you know, whatever. What he said was fine, but he didn't give you all the whole picture. What you also have to do is observe the law and follow all of these rituals and rules and regulations in order to be saved. So what they were in fact doing was taking Christianity and making it be a sect or a group of Judaism. So that you would be like a Jew following Rabbi Jesus as opposed to following, you know, some other. Kind of like when you're in the, looking at Christian, I guess the closest example would be like when you look at Protestantism. When you say, I'm Christian and I'm a Protestant, well then people will be like, well, are you Baptist? Are you Methodist? Are you Episcopalian? Everything's a little bit different. So they were trying to take Christianity and sort of fit it in one of those slots. And they were telling people that you had to be, there was no the freedom, there was no grace, that then you had to come under the law as well. And so Paul is writing them and saying, okay, I'm amazed I was just there and taught you all the right way. And so here I am gone, and then you're letting this group come in and tell you to get you again ensnared or entangled uh, in, in legalism. And we have to be careful about that, don't we? Because very easily in church, uh, we can mean well, uh, but then before you know it, it takes more than just accepting, believing and accepting Jesus as our savior. It takes more, starts taking more to be saved than that. People will say, well, you have to do that and then you have to be baptized before you can be saved. Or you do that, you believe, and then you have to witness to so many people before you can be saved. You believe and then you have to, when we start saying, well, you do that and, or but it takes more, then we need to be careful because we have stepped away from the gospel when we start to add to it. And that was what was going on here, was things were being added to it, and Paul was reminding them, no, it is is not about that. Um, It is about uh, the work, the finished work of the cross. Jesus did everything that needed to be done so that we could be saved, so that we could be justified. All we have to do now is believe on him and receive what he's done. It is a gift of grace. Salvation is not something that we can earn. It is a gift. And I had one person, I read one person, the way they put it was grace means God's riches 
at Christ's expense. And that can help us to remember when we talk about grace is that we get something that we didn't earn, right? Something that was at someone else's expense. All we had to do was receive it. So then when you start working toward getting it, I got to earn it. I got to do this. Then that reminds you of what? Then that's not grace. You're not operating under grace. Okay. So. Um, he tells them, you know, he try, it's, this letter, whole point of Galatians is to get them back on track um, with the gospel, that they don't be sidetracked uh, by this group who's telling them that, no, now you've got to go back. And because what this does, in effect, is take away the need for the power of the cross, doesn't it? When it's telling them, okay, well, what Jesus did was all well and good, but you need to do this as well. And that's what they were saying. And so then they go on and, and they're doubting and then they're sort of placing a little bit of doubt in the people's minds as to Paul's authority to even uh, share the gospel with them. And so Paul has to sort of, you know, you have to sort of set the record straight. Wait a minute now. You know, let me remind you of who I am. And so Paul goes through, uh, again, a little bit of his personal experiences. He reminds them that, yes, I was a persecutor of Christians. Uh, that was what I did and I was good at it. I was a Jew, chief among them. You know, I was, you know, top notch of my brethren. Uh, but he had the experience of his conversion uh, on the road to Damascus. And he tells him that it wasn't um, that his experience was directly from God. And that after his experience, he didn't go to be taught by men. He went away for a time into the desert to be taught uh, by the Lord. A little personal experience, and sometimes we need to do that. Now, we, it's good to receive teaching uh, from other people, but we also need to spend some time being taught. Let the Lord download some things into you. And Paul is telling him, that's what you know he did. I didn't go to the other apostles. I didn't go uh, to anybody else. I went and I spent some time with the Lord, and He gave me uh, what I needed to have. And then He went. Uh, among the other apostles. But you have to remember who Paul was. And this was a man who was rounding up Christians and killing them. And now he's going to show up for church. And people were afraid of him because they thought, okay, he's either just trying to scout us out. They thought he was trying to work undercover. He's either trying to scout us out to see where we are. And then in comes the army to round us up. Something's up. Because you just, I've heard one person equate it to Hitler. If Hitler had shown up at the synagogue to worship, you'd be like, whoa, I'm not falling for that one. You may get me on something, but I know this man is here for nefarious reasons. And so that was the thing with Paul. Is that what is what people thought? And it wasn't just the people in the churches, the the apostles, the other apostles would not come around him. He did go and spend some time with Peter. And during that time, he was able to spend a little bit of time with James, the brother of Jesus. But it was about uh, over 14, 14, 15 or so years before they the rest of them accepted him. They're like, okay, he's for real. You know, how many of us would go that long? We, we've been converted and I've been born again and then I'm, you know, sharing the word and I'm setting up churches and other religious people, other church people, leaders are still saying, oh, I don't know about you. I don't know. I mean, for 15 or, yeah, or so years later before they finally accept you, you have to know you've got a word from God, don't you? That's right. 
And we need to have that kind of assurance that we have a word from God because we may not be. What if you're not uh, accepted by other uh, church leaders? Does that mean that your word is any less valid? Do you stop preaching what God has told you because somebody doesn't lay hands on you and ordain you? We have to think about that, don't we? Some people want, if somebody, if they're not ordained by somebody else, then they won't go forth and do what God has called them to do. What does ordination have to do with it? It worked, I mean, it's important for in, in this world, you know, there are some things that, that our government may require that you be ordained. But if you haven't been called by God to go out and carry a message, but you've been ordained by man to carry the message, which is better? I'd rather be called by God because then I know he's backing me up. If all I am is somebody looked at me and said or heard me teach and say, oh, you'd make a good teacher. Let me lay hands on you and send you out. And if God hasn't sent me out, well, when I get out there and get in the thick of things, then who am I going to turn back to? The person who said I look like I'd have been a good teacher because chances are they're long gone or what? That selective memory, they won't even remember they have said that, right? Have you ever had somebody do that to you, tell you something, and you go out, act on what they told you, and then when you need some backup, I don't I didn't tell you to do that. You ought to have been listening to the Lord, right? So Paul knew that he was called by God to go out and do what he had to do. And so he didn't wait to be accepted uh, by the others before he set out doing that. And so he's reminding uh, these churches in Galatia that, um, you know, the, the, um, the details of his conversion and what he went through, his testimony. It's why it's so important for us to have a personal testimony. Um, you don't want to live your life based on what somebody else says God has done for them. We need a personal experience with him. And if we've not, if you've not had a personal experience with him, then that would be my prayer. That Lord, I have a personal experience with you because when things are difficult, you need your own testimony to fall back on. Other people's testimony is good and it will give us strength and it is important for us to share those. But for staying power, you need to know that you have heard from God. You need to have the experience when somebody is telling you, oh, there's nothing to that Christianity, there's nothing, the Bible's not true, Uh, science has proven this and that and the other. Because I've had a personal experience with God, I don't care what a science book has to tell me. I know what I believe. I know what I've experienced. And I know, you know, what I believe to be true. And I can stand on that. Okay. So Paul labors um, in obscurity for about 11 years before Barnabas comes to find him. And we can read about that in the book of Acts uh, because there was a situation going on uh, with some new converts and Barnabas was like, I think Paul can handle this. And that was only then uh, that he, you know, they go and and get him and they go out and they're setting up churches that he then sort of comes to the forefront uh, in the limelight, uh, so to speak. So we need to be prepared to possibly labor in obscurity for a while uh, until it's our time. But then when it was his season, you know, he was ready and God had placed some things in him that was needed in the early church, okay? So grace, remember that we are operating under grace, not something that we can earn. Salvation is not what we can earn and it's not about what we deserve. It is about what God has given to us, the work of the cross. Does anybody have any questions?
Okay. Well, that gets us through chapter one, and that is section one. And then next week we will pick up uh, with uh, chapter two, uh, Grace Defended in Paul's Ministry. So we've talked about um, Grace, his own personal experience uh, with Grace and his message and in his life. And then we're going to see uh, Grace in his ministry. So we'll pick up next week with chapter two. Thank you guys so much for being a part of our Sunday school. If you did not get an outline, receive an outline, we do have some available up front. You can get one um, before you leave today uh, to kind of give you a little direction on where we'll be going in Galatians. And it's fairly short, so we'll be moving you know, pretty quickly. Well, no, nowhere near as many parts as Romans. Uh, so according to this outline, it'll probably take us about maybe four weeks, so maybe the month or so. Thank you so much for being a part of our Sunday school class, and you are all dismissed. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more. Right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10 Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.